Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Welcome to Sunday evening worship service. This is our first in-person evening worship service since March 8th, 2020. I mean, we've had, it, we've had them online, and we've had some other events, but actually an in-person worship service like this, it, it has been a while. So we, uh, we want, I want to go over tonight's schedule. Tonight's very special, very unique. Tonight is an ordination service for Dr. Raphael Jubin. Do, uh, Dr. Jubin, you raise your hand here, right here, second pew. I'm going to, about to give him a charge. I'm about to read some scripture here. Share some words. I've got a special gift in this bag. Then, after that, Dr. Jubin's going to come forward. He's going to share a little bit. Then, after he speaks, then what we're going to do after he shares, we're going to put a chair right here. And one by one, if you've been ordained as either a deacon or as a minister, you'll come by and you'll lay hands over Raphael and pray for him. Then, after that, we will uh, present him with something. Uh, the men who come over and pray, we're going to sign that card right there. That's our ordination card. So you'll sign your name to that, that you prayed over him. And then we'll present him tonight. And then um, we're going to go into a business meeting. So that, that is our plans for this evening worship service. So I know it's going to be a special service. And it's one that I think will speak volumes to all of us because... Uh, The gospel call is still out there. What I mean by that is there are people whom God is still raising up. God is using. God is um, anointing with a passion for the gospel. Sound team, is my my microphone on? Is it work? Can you all hear me okay? Okay, okay. Just make sure. (laughs) All right, we're going to look at two scriptures. We're going to look here at 1 Timothy chapter 3. And then we're going to look, if you have your Bibles, you've got to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. So I'm going to give him a charge out of these two passages with this. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Raphael was actually ordained a couple of years ago as a uh, deacon. Now God has certainly uh, had his hand on him, and now he has completed his doctorate degree. He completed his master's degree about four years ago from Southern Seminary. Now he's finished his doctorate degree from Southern, and now he's, his next step is full ordination as a minister. In the Bible, there are two ordained offices. The office of deacon, the reason why our service started late is we'll blame our chairman of deacons, um, David Humlong here. We were in a deacons meeting, so in every deacons meeting, they run over. So I learned in the early days, if you schedule a deacon's meeting at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, you don't get home till 1 o'clock in the morning. So what you do is you schedule them at 4.30 on a Sunday, knowing you have to end at 6 o'clock because church is going to start. It forces you to end the meeting. So that's the best time, 4.30, for a deacon's meeting. So uh, that we, had to, uh, we had to end for that. But that was our first deacon's meeting since March of 2020 as well with that. I want y'all to read this because I want you to know the qualifications for a minister, the qualifications for a deacon are not one of, about actual service. It's actually about character. Character matters. That's what we call integrity in the Bible. You look at how a man lives his life, how he walks with the Lord, how he holds fast 
to the Word of God, and that's actually what the Bible considers as the qualification for that. So we're going to read this scripture here with this. This is a trustworthy saying. First office, as I shared, is the office of deacon. The second office we see is the office of minister. And that's what the qualifications here in these first seven verses are. For this is what is expected to be a pastor. This is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, overseer, bishop, a pastor, and oh, there's one elder are all four interchangeable words referring to the same office. That's the office I hold. That's the office we're ordaining Raphael to. That's the office of pastor, the office of minister, the office of elder. He deserves a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. In our church, we do not ordain divorced deacons nor divorced ministers. The husband of one wife. Self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. You know, I look at that word hospitable. Um, th- this morning in church, uh, I invited someone without someone's permission to go out to lunch. So I get in the car with the person I'm married to, and I say, Sweetheart, we're bringing such and such out to lunch. And she gave me the look. Oh, first they were coming to the house, then we ended up going out to lunch. And I had to, I didn't, you know, the Bible had to sometimes remind us all we were to be hospital with those, but I also did not have permission for that. But hospitality is certainly, you want to have that generous person, your door's always open, your office is always open, you want to be a man, you want to be a woman that people want to be around. No one wants to be around someone who's stingy, someone who's cold, someone who's just, uh, you're scared to talk to. That's not a hospital. You look at these qualifications, able to teach, hospital, not excessive drinker, not a bully, gentle. These are all positive words sharing the characteristics of a man of God. And it says here, If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and cure the same condemnation as the devil. The devil fell because he was arrogant, conceited, And he wanted to be like God. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah 14 that God cast him out of heaven. And it goes on to say here, Furthermore, verse 7, He must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Do you know one of the most common things, and I only did it one time in my life, I learned my lesson. Um, I see pastors, you know, we all are on Facebook. This is where I see pastors make mistakes. We all have opinions on everything in life. I, one time in 2012, about 2012, wanted to share my 
opinion on President Obama, on an issue that back then. And um, I made a comment, wrote it on Facebook, and it went to the sewer, not fast, but like lightning round fast. How negative the conversation just, I mean, it just turned. And I found myself that day in literally an online argument over something I had no control. No, I couldn't have done anything to change it. No possible way. You know, and I think about your reputation. Men and women of God destroy their reputation on the internet by just saying ridiculous, senseless things. I learned my mistake. That even spilled over into church the next Sunday. I literally had to go, so what am I doing? Why am I even talking about this? This doesn't even matter. Even if it did matter, I can't do anything. Folks in Washington don't listen to a country boy in Georgia. I mean, it's just not, it's just not worth it. So you think about reputation among outsiders. That includes not just your in-person reputation. Folks, that's your online reputation as well. What you say matters. And you, know, you might have an opinion on everything, but it's something we don't have to necessarily share with the entire world. All right, flip over in your Bible to the book of Colossians. Now, this is a special verse here. We're going to look at this garbage bag. This is Raphael's gift. It's in a trash bag, Raphael. And I want to tell you, uh, I, got, I got him something special, something unique. But it reflects what he's about to do. Verse 13 and 14. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He, representing Jesus, Paul's writing this. He, Jesus, has rescued, look at that word, rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued us from that. Dominion of darkness, that is hell. That is the business you're in. I'm in. Raphael's in. We are, in a, we are living in a dominion of darkness with folks who do not know the Lord. And God is raising up folks like Dr. Raphael Jubin to rescue these folks and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I think about the word rescue. Here it is. When you think of rescue, what do you think of? What would you do if you needed to rescue someone? Brother Her, I bet all your years, you've never given anybody one of these. This is going to be our gift. This this represents what a minister does. You hang it on your wall, Raphael. You always remember it. This here is Coast Guard approved. This is a real life ring. The gospel is literally something. We see people out there who don't know the Lord, Dr. Jubin, and you stand there and you toss them their life ring. You say, you need, sir, you need Jesus. You need help. There's people out there who are struggling. And we are holding, if someone is drowning, you want to throw them this. This floats. These things are heavy, actually. We're going to give this to you. 
You mount this on your wall, Raphael. It's not a decoration. It's the real one. And you, every time you see it, you think of the rescue ministry that Jesus has called us to. That's the business we're in. Raphael, we charge you as a church. I charge you as your pastor. That you take these words here in this book and you go with the gospel and you rescue people who are sinking and who have been deceived by the dominion of darkness. I'm going to pray over you. Then I'm going to invite you to come forward and uh, share what God's placed in your heart. Then we're going to, one by one, we're going to come forward and pray over you. God, I pray right now for Raphael. I pray that you help him always remember he has a rescue ministry. He's throwing the lifeline, the Word of God, the Bible, the saving knowledge of Jesus to those who are drowning. Lord, I pray for Pascaline, for Victory, for Vida, Vidette, his wonderful girls, his wonderful family. Lord, raise them up as a godly family. Hold them in your arms. Lord, we give you Dr. Jubin. I thank you for his life, his friendship, his Sunday school class, his teaching ability, his his. His, able to, his ability able to serve as such a faithful deacon here at our church, and now as a minister. Lord, we commend him to you. I thank you for what you're doing in his life. We charge him with these words here in Colossians, and he holds fast to the character in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Raphael, I want to invite you to come forward. I'll grab you a microphone. Good evening, everybody. Do you want me to tell you how I feel right now? I feel like the devil was proposing to Pascaline to get married to me. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> God is good. God is really good. When I say it, I really mean it. God is really good. I am. Um, it's really difficult to be at this position. It's like being put at a spot, you know. But uh, I just want to thank God for his grace. Pascaline and I want to thank the pastor, Pastor Dr. Daniel Osborne. We want to thank the Pastoral Church of Broadway Baptist Church. We want to thank the members of our Sunday school class. We also want to thank the church at last for your prayer, for your love, for the warmth and all kinds of support that you people have really, really ceaselessly been pouring on us since we set our feet into this church. In 2015, while we were planning to move into Lexington from Frankfurt, our prayer to the Lord was to direct us to, to, direct us to a church where nothing but the uncompromised truth is being preached and where we will join hands with fellow believers to serve the Lord. I remember in December of that same year, I left my wife and kids at home who were sick with the conclusion that I was going to church in Frankfurt. As I drove my way out, the picture of Broadway came to mind and my plans changed abruptly as I found myself trying to force entry into the gym through the exit door. 
I remember Brother Kevin died. The moment he saw me while he was teaching Sunday school, he paused. He woke up and walked right straight towards the door and granted me entry as he directed me to an empty seat that was left. I remember me, I remember, uh, me telling the class that I did not know why I came there. That when I left our house, I told my wife that I was going to church in Frankfurt. But I did not know how I found myself here. What marked me most was the warm hug that Brother Kevin gave me. And as he told me, welcome, brother. We are happy to have you here. At the end of service that day, I went back home and told my wife, um, who confirmed that maybe this was the place God wanted us to worship. Then we decided to start coming to give a try at Broadway. <laughs> we are still here. Thank God. One thing I have grown to learn as a Christian about God is that with God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. This church has been and remained a huge, huge blessing to my family. Three years ago, I was licensed into gospel ministry and ordained as a deacon in this church. During the government shutdown in early 2019, I was working but not being paid. But this church, God used you to bless us and we were able to take care of our bills during that time that we were not being paid. Brother Head remains so caring to us as he calls to check on us all the time and to give us very, very comforting words. When I contracted COVID-19 virus, this just stood with us in prayers. We received all kinds of calls from brothers and sisters from this church. They encouraged us and they prayed for us. One person that actually marked us so dearly in this church is Brother Don and Pat Hessel. These were the first people when we set our feet into this church. They invited us, they extended a hand to invite us for a dinner. Unfortunately, we didn't, because of our busy schedule, we never respected that. But they never, he never, never stopped from writing to us. He would write all the time and I appreciate, he would write to encourage, he would write, I mean, this has really been a blessing to us. The list is really, really inexhaustive. We want to say thank you and may God bless you all richly. Today is a big day for me. It's a big day for my family and it's a big day for the body of Christ. One thing that I'm confident in this now is, one thing I'm confident is now, right now, but what I don't know is what is going to happen to me and my family after this, this session. So what I'm trying to say is that please pray for us. Pray for us. And this is my testimony. Pascaline here is my wonderful, lovely, beautiful wife. And uh, God has blessed us with three children. Victory, 15, which you all know. Vida, 6, which you all know. And Videt, also 6. We have been married since 2004. And we are still going to marry to dead us path. I was born in Cameroon into a, a Baptist family. My parents had eight of us as children, six boys and two girls. 
Three of my siblings went to be with the Lord. And out of the surviving five, four of us are pastors. Growing up with our parents, going to church was not an option. My dad was a non-nonsense taken individual who made sure that either in sickness or in good health, everybody must be in church on Sundays. He used to even go to an extreme whereby sometimes during worship service in church, he would stand up in the, mid, in the middle of service to make sure that he locates our presence in church. And if he dare not see anybody in church, then we'll give an account. Usually it's not a funny one. I never really understood the meaning of surrendering one's life to Christ until a group of Canadian missionaries who shot the Jesus of Nazareth film visited Cameroon. After they shot the movie, I responded to the altar call and said the prayer of repentance. But it still did not really uh, mean anything to me because I was still ignorant of things of faith. It was in 1992 in a youth camp that I had the privilege to encounter, to have a direct encounter with Jesus Christ. Because the speaker actually, when he spoke, he spoke of sin. He was very specific. He spoke about sin. He spoke about death. He spoke about hell. And then he spoke about Jesus and salvation. It was after I prayed that I was deeply convinced that I was now a born again child of God. My life never remained the same. Well, Things did not go all well as the youthful pressure caught up with me. My war with God at some point was as if I was on a roller coaster until the late 90s when the Lord, in his grace, uh, had a firm grip on me to, fall, to, hold, uh, to call me back on track. My life from then took a drastic turn for the Lord. God is still working with me. He's not done with me yet. I'm a work in progress. Now, this is my call in ministry. This all started in December 2002. I know this very, very vividly. I felt this call each time I sat and listened to a particular pastor who was our pastor. And each time I listened to him preach, it occurred to me as if I was relating his message or messages to a crowd of people simultaneously. I spoke with this pastor, my experience, and he did not hesitate to tell me that he was suspecting God was calling me into ministry. He advised me to pray more for it to be, to be clearer. Well, that was not good news for me because in my family, there are so many pastors, and I didn't want to be one of those statistics as uh, someone coming from, from a pastoral family. As a matter of fact, right now as I talk, there are about, if not more than 10 pastors in my, in my family, including, including my cousins. On different occasions, three unrelated ladies told me that they were seeing God calling me into ministry. Two of those instances occurred in Cameroon in our church, and the last one was here in the U.S. as I was working, and I'm still working with, with the TSA. I remember this lady... Uh, one morning when I went to work, and I, as I went, I was, because during this time, I was actually praying. I said, God, um, I, I don't want to work on emotions. I don't just want to be moved by emotions. I just, if this is your will, usually I'm not that person who prays and asks God for sign. I'm not that person, but 
this matter was, was very serious that I said, Lord, I just, I just want you to indicate to me, show me something so that let me know that this is your will for my life. Again, I didn't want to take the route of, of Jonah. I didn't want to go the hard way. So this morning when I went to work and I was going to receive briefing, right there, if you know the Louisville airport, right there in the middle of the checkpoint, this lady walk, was walking directly, it was my colleague, she was walking directly towards me and she was crying and tears was coming out of her eyes. And she said, Raphael, I have seen you as a leader. Please pray for me. Thereafter, it did not occur to me what that actually meant. It was after that, then it dawned on me that I have been praying that God should actually tell me to give me a direction if this is his will for my life or not. Then that was when I actually backed up. I backed down and I told my wife that our course would take a different turn. Then I started I enrolled in, um, in the seminary and went on up to this point. Before I end, I just want to I'll stop here with this scriptural passage that Jesus Christ was actually teaching his disciples in Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13 to, uh, to 16. So before this point, Jesus had, and the disciples, they went on a mountain and Jesus sat down and his disciples came to him and there was this large, large crowd. And this sermon actually is a traditional, traditionally known as the Sermon on the Mount. Or some people said the Beatitude. So after Jesus Christ has, has given all the blessed and blessed and blessed, then he came now to verse, verse 13, where Jesus Christ actually says that to his disciples, and I believe that Jesus was saying to his disciples, not only to his disciples, but to us also Christians, if you know that you are a believer, these words of Jesus Christ also pertains to you. And this is what Jesus Christ is saying right now. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather put it on a lampstand. And gives light for all who are in the house. And then Jesus ended it up in this very powerful way. And this is what he says. And which I'm charging each one of us here seated right now. This word is for you. For us all. In the same way. Let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works. And give glory to your father in heaven. Is your life producing a light that can shine to others to see your good works so that they should give glory to your Father in heaven because of you? Are we sitting here, are we that salt with all those vital qualities that we can help to bring people to Christ? Or we are worthless whereby we shall be thrown and people trampled upon us?